you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. Well, good morning again, Rock family. I'm so excited that you've decided to join us for Church Online this morning, and I'd like to invite you to take out your Bibles right now as we make our declaration, as we do every week, posturing ourselves before the Word of God to hear Him speak to us, a word that will change our lives. So let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. And we believe it's true. Would you open to two places this morning? Would you open to Isaiah 60, and just keep your finger in Isaiah 60, and Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start in Numbers. And so, before we jump right into the scripture, let's revisit what we did last week. We said, yes, God. I say yes to spend the time you've given me in these days to pursue you in your word. Yes, I say yes to not simply returning to all the old busyness of life that kept me from you. I say yes to starting with prioritizing daily time with you more than ever before so I can live the more abundant life you are offering me. I know it will take discipline. I am willing to let you remake my schedule. I want to honor you with my life. Your word says you work in me both to will and to do for your good pleasure. Work in me from this day forward. I am yours and you are mine. Amen. Consider what grade you would give yourself if this were a test. Consider what grade an objective outsider would give you if they were looking at your life this past week based on what you committed last week. What grade would they give you? This message is titled, It's Time to Arise. And of course, as part of the series, Supernatural Development. God is speaking to us supernaturally. The divine himself is speaking to us, trying to get our attention. And he's telling us today, it's time to arise. And so let's look in Numbers chapter 13. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. All right, now let's look at these first few verses together. The Lord spoke to Moses. This wasn't Moses' idea to just say, you know what we ought to do? We ought to send some men out there to check out this land. God's given us this land. Go check it out. Let's see. No, God is saying, I want you to send men of good report, men who are leaders of their houses. And these are key leaders, by the way. Send them out and have them spy out the land I'm promising to give you and then come back and tell us all about it. So he says, I'm sending them out. I'm giving you the land. Everyone that goes is a leader and should be listened to and respected. And, you know, when they come back with with how good this land is, it's going to be great. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, it says. They're already in the wilderness, you know. 
God's people are already right here, smack dab in the middle of the wilderness, even though they've been delivered from Egypt. So they're in the wilderness, but they've been delivered. But they're in the wilderness. But they've been delivered. But they're in the wilderness. You may feel like that in your life sometimes. It's like, I've been delivered. Why does it feel like I'm still in the wilderness? And so this is where they are. It never crosses their minds, notice, that they may cause their own destruction and death here in the wilderness. Never crosses their mind that they may just be at blame, be at fault and be to blame for this. Look at verse 4. I'm going to shorten this a little for you. Now these were their names. Shemua, Shaphat, Caleb, Igel, Hosea, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Amiel, Sether, Nabi, and Geul. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, which means salvation, the son of Nun, Joshua, which means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. There's a clear distinction here when he changes Hosea's name to Joshua. And of course, that's where we get the book of Joshua, who becomes leader later on. See, there is a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs 14 says, but its end is the way of death. Even in laughter, the heart may sorrow and the end of mirth may be grief. Verse 14 says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Yikes. But a good man will be satisfied from above. See, a good man is going to be satisfied from the things that God is instructing. And in obedience, we get all the promises that he's promised to us. So there's a way that seems right to a man. See, Hosea, salvation, okay, that sounds really good. But Moses puts a fine point on it. Calls him Joshua, which means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Not your own way, not your own thoughts. The Lord, focus on the Lord. So there is a way that seems right to a man. There's a different way that is right from the Lord. Amen. God is our salvation. His ways, His rules, His priorities, His scheduling, all of it. His way, God, the Lord, Yahweh, is our salvation. This name change, identified by Moses, leader of the leaders, is awesome. I'm wondering even right now, who in our church family would say, yeah, I'm open to a name change. I'm open to doing things God's way and not my own anymore. Helen, we think about Jelen. <laughs> Maybe not. All right, moving on. Verse 17. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Remember this, strong or weak or camps or strongholds. Verse 20 says, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage, and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath in the north. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shishai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. 
Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshel, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. One. They carried it between two of them on a pole. These are some massive grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshel because of the cluster, that's what Eshel means, which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after, count them, 40 days. That's going to be important. So the spies went basically all over what would become the promised land. What God was saying, I have this for you. They, they went and they walked it. They spied out the whole thing. At verse 26, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel, still in the wilderness of Paran, at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. I like that word truly. Truly is saying, okay, God told us the truth about it flowing with milk and honey, all right. And this is its fruit, they say. Okay, so this is its fruit. There's, here, come on, you two guys. They bring this big old pole, and here's the cluster of grapes, right? All right. Verse 28. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Remember I told you, strong or weak? Okay, they're identifying them. They are strong. And the cities are fortified. Remember strongholds? These cities are fortified. They're not just little camps out there. And very large. But wait, there's more. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Okay, verse 30. This is where it gets really good. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people. Who knows that someone sometimes has to step up in front of the leaders, in front of the Lord, in front of the people, to say there's impending disaster coming if we don't follow the Lord. This is what Caleb's doing in verse 30. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, let's just parse out this verse a little bit. Caleb said, let us go up at once. A, he said, we got to go. B, no delay. Let's go up at once. And C, take possession. We have been given this. Now, we've got to take it. See, I can tell you all day long, hey, I'm going to give you a car. I'm going to give you a house. I'm going to give you $50 million until you come and take possession of the keys, of the dough, whatever, you don't have it. Caleb is saying, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Verse 31. See, look at this sandwiched right in there. Verse 31, here they are uh, again back. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. See, we're not able to go up against these people. They are stronger than we are. Okay, now, this is a perspective that they have all wrong. Sure, alone, by yourself, sure, you cannot take these giants. You cannot uh, bust into these fortified cities. You cannot take down and, and take the, the possession of this inheritance that you're supposed to have by yourself. 
But natural eyes say, hey, I'm all, I'm, it's just us. It's just us. We don't even know what we're doing. We're not warriors. You know, we've been making bricks, you know. And so by ourselves, of course, we can't do anything. That should be our testimony right now. Without you, Lord, I can do nothing. But spiritual eyes see spiritually. And they say, with God, we are well able. Can someone say, we are well able with God on our side? Amen. And surely we are. Look at verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Think of those words. Where do they even get this idea? Okay, wait, wait a second. Are the people strong? Are, are the cities fortified? Or are they being devoured because the land is so rough? Well, you can't have it both ways. What, what are you even saying? The, so somehow they have this idea fear has gotten in there. And sometimes we can allow fear to get in there. And now we start talking all kinds of crazy, as if we don't even have a God, as if he hasn't made us all these beautiful promises. But that's not what he's trying to get from us. He's trying to say, oh, son, oh, daughter, I have every plan to take care of you, and I'm well able to perform it. In fact, I'm watching over my word to perform it for you. Amen. They, they wanted to have it both ways. They're trying to convince the people that this is not the plan that we're doing. And all the people whom we saw in the land are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. Remember the descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. This frustrates me. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Well, get out of that clown mirror then. You know, get out of that carnival mirror that makes you look all short or whatever. Like, you're not a grasshopper. If your eyes are, are telling you in the natural that you are not able to do this, you're not remembering that you have a God that has sent you to go get this promised land. And you need to remember, part of covenant is remembering that we are attached, life and death, with God Almighty, and He will not let us down. He will not let us die. He will not let us fail. When we're in covenant and partnership with Him, when we're obedient to His commands, He's going to rescue us. He's going to help us. He's going to deliver us and bless us every time. I hope someone's getting excited right there from your seats. Imagine this for a second. All right, so here we are. God gives His people, okay, and in our case, the rock Hesperia instructions. Okay, now Moses, or let's say me, hears and gets God's instructions communicated to the people, like we're doing now. Heads of houses are sent out, remember key leaders, like our lead team, to check out their assignment from God, and then having seen the promised land, knowing that God himself, the faithful God, has committed to back us and give us the land. But then Branimir, Dave, Gina, Jennifer, John, Carla, Kimberly, Laura, Mariah, and Mark, 100% of these spies come back reporting that there is some richness in the land. They start out, everyone starts out all great. But 83% of the spies that return say, yeah, but not for us. 
It reminds me of that old Gershwin song. They're writing songs of love, but not for me. Oh, come on. That's so sad. You deserve a love song. God's singing a love song to you. But 83% of the spies come back and say, not for us? Only 17%, I did the math on this, only 17% say, look, God promised us. God is faithful. He's with us, and with Him we can do all things. Let's go right now. I mean, I've, I've been in this wilderness already long enough. Already. Now, did this being put in our own context right at home kind of make you a little queasy, a little sick to your stomach? I know it did for me when I was putting these notes together and trying to wrap my head around it. What if I was in the middle of this kind of situation? It's practically unfathomable. Yet, nevertheless, here we are reading it in the scriptures. It happened. And the people are confronted with this. What are we going to do? We have all these leaders, and, and they're telling us different things. And the majority is saying, hey, it's dangerous. We're not going to win this thing. We're all going to die. And then 17% say, no, 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 God is with us. He made us a promise. Let's go get it right now. Oh, that is my heart today. God made us a promise. He's with us. Let's go get it right now. Amen. I hope you're with me on this. I can't hear you, but I believe that you are. And so let's continue here. That sick feeling that you were feeling, by the way, hold on to that as we continue into chapter 14 because God's not done telling the story of these people. So all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained, already bad, against Moses and Aaron, God's appointed leaders, bad again. And the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Now wait a second. Does this sound like God at all? Does this sound like what He's promised? No, He has said nothing like this. He's given no warning like this. He's saying, I'm giving you the promised land. And they're saying, no, we, we can't see all that. We're going to die. And, and then they start blaming God. They start accusing him of these of bad plans. I don't even know where these came from. It came from fear is where it came from. We cannot be led around by fear. We are people led by faith. Amen. Would it not be better for us to return to slavery? I mean, Egypt. See what I did there? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Now, remember, they had a leader already. His name was Moses. And he was doing a pretty good job so far. I remember when all those horsemen and chariots died in the Red Sea. Do you remember that? I do. I remember when they were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh with these tremendous plagues that Moses kept going back to the Pharaoh. Faithful, doing what he was supposed to do, humble, led the people out. Verse 5 says, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Again, there's humility going on here. It's like, oh, they're just broken. Like, don't, ah, don't do this. Verse 6, but Joshua, so we heard from Caleb, now Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. Remember, this is a sign in the Bible days of great emotion being expressed. They tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, 
The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. What does he mean? We're going to eat them up. We eat these people up. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See, natural eyes say, well, we can't do it on our own. Spiritual eyes says, yeah, but I got a God who's with me. And not only that, there are things that we cannot see, like they may have had protection at one point. They don't have it anymore. The Lord has established us for this, and now their protection has departed from them. Do you see what I'm talking about? How God moves even in unseen, unknown ways to us. And as long as we're walking with Him, as long as we're in step, as long as we're evenly yoked together with Him, He's doing the heavy lifting. We're just along for the ride. Just just keep in step with Him. Amen. I hope someone's screaming at the video right now like, Don't do it! Don't be afraid of these people. Don't stop short of the promise. I know you've already read the scripture, though. You know that they did stop, and, and it became a real problem. Uh, but uh, I, I hope you're screaming at the TV and crying because of the foolishness that they're displaying. How costly is this to all God's people in this moment in time? It's costly to everybody. Even the two spies that came back with a good report, it was costly to them. It cost them the same 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness that it cost everybody else, except that those two didn't die because they came back with a good report that God is telling us the truth. It's for us. It's for right now. Let's go. We're well able to take the land. See, remember, there's a way that seems right to a man, <laughs> but its end is the way of death. All right, verse 10, and the second part says, Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Now God has something to say. And then we're not going to get into that today because, you know, there's, there's some judgment happening there. But it's time to arise today. And I took you through that lengthy passage and, and kind of a deeper uh, plugging through of this scripture so we can get a taste in our mouths of the stakes. Of the stakes. It says, Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Now, would you look at Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 5 with me? Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5. It says this Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord, here we are with that glory of the Lord thing again has risen upon you. Say, upon me. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness shall cover the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together. They come to you. Oh, I just felt that in my spirit. They all come to you. Would you say that with me? They all come to me. Come on, say it again. They all come to me. God has people surely in your path today, this week, from all this time. They come to you and they're waiting for you to arise and shine. We've got to decide to do it. They're waiting for you. They're coming to you. Listen to what it continues saying. 
Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. I love that. And for the first time this week in reading this, even though I've read it many, many times, it felt like there are spiritual children to be born to us. There are spiritual reaping that needs to happen that people come to faith in Jesus because of our investment, because of our arising and shining in this moment right now and forevermore. There are sons, spiritual sons and spiritual daughters who are waiting for you. And they shall come from afar and be nursed at your side. So not only one into the kingdom, but discipled. Do you hear it? Do you hear the same scripture I'm reading? Does it strike you the same way? There is so much salvation ready to come at your hands, at your word, by your faith in what God is leading you to do. And so, three things I want to talk about. Number one, what do we do? How do we arise? Spiritually. We arise spiritually. Ephesians 5.14 in the New Living Translation says, For the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Remember, it's not even your light. It's, it's the light of Christ. He's giving it to you. Receive it and just let it shine. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Romans 13, 11 in the NCV says, Do this because we live in an important time. Would you say important time? Important time. It is an important time. It is now time for you to wake up from your sleep. He's talking to us. Do you feel it? (laughs) He's talking to us right now. Let's say that together. It is now time for you to wake up from your sleep because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So arise spiritually. Have spiritual eyes. God is with us. He's giving us all this light. He's giving us His Word to speak. The entrance of His Word gives light, gives understanding even to people who don't know yet. The understanding to the simple. Number two, arise in faith. Arise in faith. 1 John 5.4 out of the English Standard says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. This is the victory that's overcome the world. Our faith. Where's the victory that's overcome the world? Our faith. Whose faith? Our faith. That's right. What, and now what is faith? What is faith? Now this may sound like a simple question to you, but I have to ask. Maybe we just need to talk about it a little bit. What is faith? Faith is belief. Strong enough to activate, to accomplish, to follow, to obey. See, that's faith. Faith without corresponding action, faith without works, James says, is dead. He he says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. What you see me doing, that's going to prove my faith out. That's faith. And we're meant to arise in faith. Let me give you some of this uh, from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah prepared an ark for the saving of his household. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive. By faith, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. 
And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. We need to arise in faith. And thirdly, we need to arise to shine. What's the purpose? Shine, arise, shine, for your light has come. In Luke 2.49, Jesus said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? You remember the story? Jesus was only 12. Imagine if we had all that wisdom at the age of 12. We'd be so much farther along, right? In Colossians 4.17 says, And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Say that I may fulfill my ministry. I take heed so I can fulfill my ministry. You have a ministry. We have a ministry together as the rock. Right here, right now, even in our current context. And I'm not just talking the shelter in or the self-quarantine or whatever you're doing. I'm talking right now, this day, how your life looks to you. Whatever you think about where you should have been, where you are right now, where you could be, where you're going, where you've been, all of it. We have a ministry right here, right now, and God is calling us as a family to do it. I'm excited about it. I love that you're part of this family with me. And all those who are even joining because the faith that they're hearing by the word of God is stirring up in their hearts. So whatever it takes for you to to live in the fullness of the scripture, the instructions God is giving you from his word is worth giving. It is so worth giving. And I want you to be able to begin this week. Many times maybe we just go to church, and then we leave church, and that was church. No, 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 the people are the church, we are the church, and we take it with us wherever we go, and we're meant to do something from what we've learned together. This is an equipping time, it's a calling time, an equipping time, an inspiring time. I'm getting excited just going through these scriptures. I'm ready to arise and shine more and brighter than I have ever done in the past. So I hope you're with me on that. I want you to be able to begin this week, and so I'm giving you a list, but it's not an exhaustive list. You have maybe so much more creative ideas. You may have more experience out there in the real world. You know, here I am changing diapers, you know, and working from home on the computer most of my days. You may be out there with the people and knowing, having a really a finger on the pulse, so to speak, of what people are needing. But this is going to be a good primer just to get you going before God, starting today, and then following through on his instructions. So consider the following ways to fulfill your ministry. In this time, when the world has practically closed its doors to all physical connection, and also in this same time, when people are more isolated and more fearful than ever before, sure, there's a barrier in place. Okay, so we have a limitation. We can't be together. But on the flip side of that coin, is such openness to human connection and divine engagement. Engagement with the divine, with the God of the universe. People are ready to listen like never before. They just want connection with somebody right now. And they're willing to listen to what you say. And when you bring good news and light, they're going to eat it up. So if you bring Jesus right into the center of your engagements, your conversations, we may very well see the largest revival this world has ever seen in our time. Is that crazy exciting to you? 
I'm so pumped about this because I want to live in that time. I want to be a part of that move of God to, to make disciples like never before and fulfill the Great Commission. Come on. This is thrilling. And so with that excitement, I, I've been asking people just different conversations I'm in. Uh, there, was, there was a friend of ours who uh, was driving in the golf cart and passing someone and uh, with all this more openness for people to talk, you know, there was a little more smile on the face, a little more acknowledgement that they're, you know, alive right next to them instead of people just hurrying past and going about their business. And so I said, hey, how did you integrate the hope of Jesus into your conversation? And I heard, I didn't. <laughs> said, we were just driving past each other and, and greeting, you know, and, and it was just a little more open than it normally was. But so they were driving past. And I'm wondering if perhaps even just having that conversation with my friend opened, opened their mind to just what could it be? What could I say? How could I, how could I get an in to plant a seed? or water it, or whatever. Uh, so that was, that was the one on one side. I want to tell you what we've been doing, though, that has been gaining some ground, getting some traction, and I feel like there's, there's hope and there's life in it. Uh, my neighborhood connections with the walkers around here, they walk themselves, they walk their dogs, they're walking their kids, they're, they're, all, they're getting the mail. And uh, so I say these things. Hey, how are you guys doing? How are you? How are you feeling? Okay, so that, I mean, everyone's, it's on everyone's mind. How are you feeling? How are you physically? How's your wellness? I said, do you need anything? And I say, if you get in a bind, just come ring the bell and we'll do whatever we can to help you. I'm making myself, I'm putting myself right out there. I'm trying to create more engagement, you see? So just ring the bell, we'll do whatever we can to help. And I say, God has a good plan even through all of this and we're praying for you. If you want prayer, come ring the bell. We'll pray with you right there on the spot. Uh, something else that uh, our kids have done, uh, they got this idea by themselves. They're not on social media or anything. They have no idea what anyone else is doing, but it just kind of sprang up in their hearts. And uh, they had the idea to create these little love notes of encouragement for our neighborhood. And so they cut all these colored pieces of, of construction paper into hearts. And they wrote hopeful things on them and included, we are praying for you. Then they walked up and down the street and put those uh, little encouragement cards on every window up and down the street. And I said, now here's the trick. This is, this is where dad got involved. I said, now if you say you're praying for them, you have to make sure that you pray for every house, each one that you go to, and you tape it up there. Make sure that you're praying over that house for their healing, for their protection, for their wellness, and all that. And they did. Praise God. And now, check it out, my neighbors stopped me in the street <laughs> and they, they expressed to me how thankful they were for that, how sweet and how thoughtful it was for our kids to do that. And some of us said, I knew it was your kids. I knew it was your kids. And so what a testimony is that? How proud do you think I am of my children right now? I mean, super proud. And so this is, this is something that you can do. It's a tremendous witness in our community that we're going after them with love, concern, compassion, hope, and this light, we are rising and shining right around us. In fact, one of my neighbors today, as we were out having a conversation like 20 feet apart, <laughs> basically across the street, uh, was, it's, it's, what did she say? It's sad that people will fly across the country to go visit some, some people, but they don't know their neighbors. 
And I was like, you're absolutely right. You, that we have somehow fooled ourselves into thinking that whatever else we got going on is enough. And, and we can just let these guys go to hell or, or whatever, you know, do whatever you want to do. That's not the case. You know, we're planted here and we've always known it. We know we're here in this community for a reason and we take it seriously and we're trying to see with the supernatural eyes, Lord, how do you want us to engage with these people? Because we want to do it. We want to please you and we want to reap them into your kingdom to become sons and daughters of yours and be blessed and, and get the promises that you have for them as well. Uh, I've considered a yard sign, putting a sign in my yard. Uh, it's a longer story than I'll tell you, but uh, it says, open for prayer, ring the bell. And so I haven't made the move on that yet, but I've been making some calls. And uh, these things, what I'm presenting to you goes beyond creating a, a cool little social media post and just putting some content out there into the world. It says, I'm inviting you to more. I'm availing myself to you for more. I want you to have more of me. I want you to have more hope and more life and more peace and more joy. I want you to have more of Jesus. It, it's asking for that uh, reciprocation. It's just saying, hey, I'm available. If you're available, come get some. <laughs> I love it. And so uh, we're bringing Jesus into the entire equation, start to finish. And he is the answer that we have to give. Why wouldn't we give it? Freely we've received freely give. We've been doing something else. We've been Skyping and FaceTiming with those close to us uh, that we cannot get to, we cannot be around for whatever reason. And so our entire family just gathers on the couch, we put up the little camera, and we see them on the TV, and we're chatting together, and, and it feels closer than many other times before. Sometimes our lives get so busy, we just... Slid on by everybody that it's kind of depending on us to check in on them, to care for them, to express love. And so we've been doing Skype and FaceTime. Um, there's another one, just blanket study. Uh, I engage with uh, individuals and with groups of brothers uh, in, in the faith. And we've been discussing the Word of God on a deeper level and a more intentional level about what's going on right now in the world. And not only that, but just taking a look and taking stock looking back and saying, hey, where have we come from? Why are we doing some of the things that we do with all this that is eliminated? It's like, well, what's going to be put back at the end of this thing? You know, what does God say in His Word is necessary? What does He say is helpful? What does He want? How does He want to be worshipped, you know? And so we're talking about a lot of these deep questions more than ever before because we're all attuned spiritually to this thing. You see where I'm going with this? Uh, there's one, a huge one I'm going to uh, lay on you right now. It's called Family Bible Studies. I love Family Bible Studies. And, and our family isn't the first one. Uh, we're not alone in doing this. Uh, the Aguirres are doing it and uh, maybe others. But we're having Family Bible Studies. So every level, you know, everyone's in here. And we all get out our Bibles at the different levels. And, and we look for the passages together. And we read, take turns reading from the different versions and that. And then we talk about it. Well, what did you get about that guy that was healed, that Jesus made well? You know, what were you thinking about it? And the things that our children say, the things that we say as a family, it just makes the scripture come more and more alive and prompts us to more of this engagement, more of this arising and shining in front of people that go beyond our living room and bringing them into this hope that we have. Um, 
those are just, again, it's a primer. It's not an exhaustive list. And I would love, all of us would love to hear what you've been doing and what you found as being very effective in this moment in time. Would you email us your stories? Tell us what you're doing, what you're finding is making a, a difference in people's lives. Email hesperia at solidlives.com. Again, it's hesperia at solidlives.com. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. So, if you will email us, we will find a way, probably in the email that goes out, to distribute some of these new ideas. And we want to together discover what God is saying. And there's safety in a multitude of counselors. There, there's a lot of inspiration. And, and when God speaks to us as a whole, it's so much better than even Him speaking to one of us. And, and so we will gather the whole counsel of God together and be kept safe and be prompted toward love and good works in the midst of it. Amen. And so why don't we pray together right now as a time of commitment that we want to do what we've been hearing Arise and shine, for your light has come. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we love you so, so much. And if we haven't said it enough, we're sorry. If we haven't expressed it in our, in our songs to you, in our worship, and in our joy, we're sorry. Lord, we want you to know how precious you are to us. How we're attempting right now to, to remake, rebuild from the foundation up and the foundation is you. It's your word. You said on this rock, the truth of Jesus being the Christ, you'll build your church. Lord, we're not trying to build a big church. We're trying to build big people. And Lord, help us do it. Help us do it by the love that we show, that we are awaking from our sleep, that we're not slumbering, we're not sluggards. We're getting out there about your business. As Jesus said, I'm... I was going to be about my father's business. Why did you seek me anywhere else? Lord, let that be our testimony. We commit to you today to be about your business, to intentionally dig into your word more than ever before, spending time with you, letting you speak to us, letting you draw us more into the security and the safety under your wing drawing us into the knowledge and the acceptance and even the excitement of being called into your ministry, into this mission field all around us in a new and a fresh way. And letting us not think that returning to old ways is going to be any sort of answer, but Lord, you're showing us a new and living way. We embrace it as we embrace one another as family. Help us to do it. Help us to please you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.